Thanks to Grammarly for supporting MarketFoolery. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com fool and get 20% off a Grammarly Premium account today. It's Wednesday, May 8th. Welcome to MarketFoolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from MFAM Funds, the one and only Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got restaurant earnings. We've got Match Group hitting an all-time high. We're going to start with Lyft issuing its first report as a public company, and it's a memorable one because Lyft lost a billion dollars in the quarter. The company says that this will be its peak year for losses, and that it sees a clear path to profitability. Boy, I really hope so, because they just lost a billion dollars in 90 days. Yeah, I think that that is not easy to do. Yes, you know, despite the headlines today. About one of the leaders of this country having lost a billion dollars. That took him ten years. Right, not right? in ninety not days. Not in ninety days. He couldn't do that. Although he did it three times, but that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. That's another story. Uh, and yeah, they've projected an EBITDA loss uh, for one point one five to one point one seven five billion. That's a rather specific range, a fairly tiny range given the size of the loss. It's like a one percent delta between the the high and low of of that range uh, on three point two to three point three billion dollars in revenue. So you've got a competing stories here. One uh, extraordinary growth at the top line. I think ninety five percent year over year revenue growth for the quarter and staggering losses. And the market today has resolved that by selling off the stock. Right. So, worth remembering that, uh, and it's not hard to remember because it was just, I don't know, a couple weeks ago that Lyft went public at $72 a share. With the sell-off today, it's at 55 There is a price at which this stock becomes attractive, I suppose. Is the mid-50s where it is? Because the way... <laughs> And all kidding aside, that's what I was struck by. It was not that they lost a billion dollars; it's that they did it in ninety days. And I don't even know how you begin to to do that. So it still feels like this is much higher than I would want it to be before I put Lyft on my watch list. Okay. Well, in saying that they lost a billion dollars over ninety days, that is. True, uh, but misleading in the sense that a lot of it was related to uh, stock option expense and the, and the costs of associated with going public. And so, what they lost on an operational basis was about a quarter of that billion dollars, 1.1, 1.2 billion they're going to lose for the year. So, uh, still losing the 250, 250 million on your operations uh, when. You're not, uh, you know, 776 million was was the revenue, uh, and they're losing one third of that in in operations. And so, I think that they're obviously not an attractive stock to a value investor who would want to see profits. Uh, and in terms of the growth investing public, it is it doesn't so it doesn't have any momentum stock investors interested in it because it goes down. Every day, and so that's not the kind of momentum, uh, unless you're a short seller, that you're looking for. So you need to have that. This all this top line growth is going to translate to profits 
at some point, when is that going to be? And they're talking about a clear path to profitability. But Uber is going to be a well-capitalized company uh, as of Friday, and can I fight them? I guess as to who can lose more money quickly in pursuit of customers. Uber has set the range for their IPO at forty-four to fifty dollars. I've said before, I think that's both smart of them and probably a response to what happened with Lyft stock right after they went public. So, among other things, Uber is looking to get in, if not the good graces of Wall Street, certainly the better graces of Wall Street relative to Lyft. Yeah, and they are going to be judged through the relative to Lyft prism, and as they should be, because there's a direct competitor, and Uber is in a few more areas of business. Uber Eats is a more attractive part of the business than some other parts of the business. But yeah, they have to, at this point, somewhat defend themselves from the market reaction that has befallen Lyft and say why. They should be valued at the top of the range, uh, rather than the bottom or or below, because uh, people want to see there are enough fast-growing companies which have more clear uh, paths to profitability than the one that Lyft is demonstrating so far. Beyond Meat, perhaps, could be one of them. Uh, perhaps you've spent <laughs> <laughs> you've spent some time looking at that one. Uh, what do you think about their profits? Oh well, they don't exist at the moment, but yeah, they're their path. Oh, the path. I think I think the path is um, uh, looking pretty good for uh, plant-based meat substitutes. All right, and the path is looking good for transportation as a service. The question is, you know, is is the profitability of that attractive? And you're going to have a couple more shifts in the business model. Uh, the business model right now: rapid growth, but no profits. You've got uh, a lot of people you have to pay, and you've got to compete on price against somebody else who is uh, willing to compete with you on price, and you've got to displace all the cabs. And so, uh, the shift is going to come, of course, when uh, autonomous vehicles become a reality, and then maybe you can take your costs down quite a bit, but those autonomous vehicles are going to have to be owned by somebody. Are they going to be owned by Lyft? Are they going to be owned by third parties? Are they going to be owned by the car manufacturers? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but it's very hard to, to model, in my estimation, what this is going to look like in five years. And one more factor at the moment that is not working in either Lyft's favor or Uber's flavor is, uh, favor is the current unemployment situation in America. You know the lowest unemployment in what close to fifty years. Um, that just makes it a little bit harder for them. It does. Uh, well, it means a lot of people are uh, getting to work. They need they need Lyft to help them get to work. Some of them. Yes, but in terms of the employees, the actual drivers, because as you said, they don't have the autonomous vehicles just yet. So when you have the autonomous vehicles, you care a lot less about what the employment picture is in America. At the moment, you've got a lot of people who maybe would be considering signing up as an Uber or Lyft driver part-time, maybe on the weekend, some sort of side hustle, and they're like, "No, I'm good." Yeah. Well, I think and and some of them work for Uber and Lyft. So yeah, it's a lot of 
the employee situation is, and they're not all employees, they're contractors, uh, it's a complication, and I think that they have to spell out uh, when the profits come and in what form in order for people to be more interested in the stock, which is not responding well to today's story, which is an impressive top-line story, almost doubling revenues in a year, but that's not the whole story. Where are the profits? How? What are the margins going to look like when this thing is at scale? Let's move on to a couple of restaurants, uh, Wendy's and Papa John's, both reporting first quarter results. Uh, same store sales in the U.S. for Wendy's, barely in the positive range, just 1.3%. I will say, though, that's not completely out of line with what we've seen from sort of the the bigger burger chains. Um, if you that's basically in between what we've seen recently from McDonald's and Burger King, Papa John's. Same store sales in North America down nearly seven percent. Um, I guess the bright spot for Papa John's, because the stock is up a little bit today, is that overall sales came in better than expected. Yeah, Papa John's is continuing to suffer from uh, the damage to the brand from uh, the actions of John Schnatter, uh, both uh, his public proclamations uh, or not public, they became public. Uh, over a year ago now, and then suing the company and his being ousted and and sorting out, you know, what does Papa John's look like once Papa John himself is completely out of the company, which is seems to be coming as as the reports today also include indications that Schnatter has no operational role with the company is thinking of selling his very large stake, which I think is around thirty one percent of the company. Uh, but they're forced now to pay back their franchisees. They're they're lowering their franchisees' fees uh, because of the damage to to the brand and the franchisees having, you know, made their investments in running these units. And then, you know, the the company is not wise to spend a lot of money on advertising right now while it's sorting out what kind of a message it's it's trying to put out to people. Uh, they're they're putting out uh, Shaquille O'Neal as the big reason to be happy about the company right now. They are, although they're also doing some pretty smart promotions with uh, featuring local franchisees and and basically dropping the Johns and just being like, oh, here's your local Papa and here's the the person who runs, you know, a bunch of franchises in your area. So I think I think that's smart. This was, I think, in the case of Papa Johns, this was. Slightly more good than bad, slightly more uh, optimism in this report, um, and to some degree, that is, as you pointed out, absolutely helped by the reports that Schneider might finally be looking to unload this uh, his stake in the company because run well, this is a good business to be in. People like pizza, and if you can do a decent job of of, uh, of actually making the pizza and getting to them, um, then that's a profitable business. Yeah, and and I guess they prefer pizza that comes without controversy. Yes, which is uh, there are so many choices uh, of pizza that are non-controversial pizzas. Uh, many people find uh, pineapple on pizza to be controversial, but. <laughs> 
they don't have to get pineapple on their pizza. Right. And, and uh, when you're going to Papa John's, you're just uh, buying into controversy at the moment. Right. And most places in America, whether it's a big city uh, or just small time, uh, small town, uh, you've got options when it comes to pizza. There are a lot of local places that do it. Yeah. Or you can go over to Wendy's and get a burger. You can, although apparently fewer people are doing that. Uh, well, they're they're you know they're still showing up. I think what were the same store sales around one percent? Yeah, some just 1. over one point three percent. So you know they're they're doing okay. Uh, there's nothing exciting about the report. Uh, they are you know opening and shutting restaurants in about the same at about the same pace. Uh, I think they had uh, forty three total global. Uh, new restaurants, but that only uh, net. I think they closed one more than than that. So, system-wide sales are sort of treading water. You know, one percent same store sales. It's it's okay. Nothing special. Um, you know, it, it's a stable. Burgers. They're they're working on upgrading their menu. So that's a thing. Uh, I think they were pointing to. The Asiago cheese and applewood smoked bacon elements that you can get with your burger. But I don't get the sense that Wendy's, on a system wide level, is doing the same type of investing that you and I talked about recently with McDonald's, where the investments that McDonald's has made in kiosks. Um, and again, it's all geared towards the same thing, which is how do we increase throughput? How do we get more people through the line in an hour than we have been getting? And how do we raise the average ticket price? And in the case of Wendy's, it seems like they're focusing on one but not the other. It really seems like they're focused on okay, if we can sell some more premium items, and they've said that, then that's their pathway to increasing the average ticket price. I don't get the sense that they're making investments to really boost the throughput in the way that McDonald's is. No, the investment seems to be in their Twitter account. Do they have a strong Twitter game? They do have a strong Twitter oh, game. Okay. Are you unaware of that? I, apparently, I am. No. No, they're they're pretty good. Okay, well, let me know when that uh, translates <laughs> to higher throughput, because that's great from an entertainment standpoint, but uh, that's not showing up on the balance sheet, as we like to say. Uh, quick shout out to Grammarly for supporting today's market foolery. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and the top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. And who knows, maybe you work with someone in your office that you want to encourage to use Grammarly, because uh, they're good at what they do, but they could bump up their writing game. Uh, Grammarly helps people show their best self through writing, and it's available across platforms including online browser extension, desktop editor, mobile keyboard checker. You can find it on multiple browsers like Chrome, Firefox, Safari. You can find it on platforms like iOS, Android, Windows, Mac. Their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar. And again, if you want to have that conversation with your coworker, maybe that's how you sort of ease them into it. Like, hey, Jim, have you checked out the free Grammarly? It's free. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe your emails wouldn't be quite so terrible. Uh, Grammarly Premium, however, looks out for spelling, grammar plus structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness. Readability for different occasions, like a business proposal or a blog post, or maybe that school essay you're working on. Grammarly is so easy to use that I use it. 
That's how easy it is, people. Really? Yes, it's like Venmo. It's like I say about Venmo. Venmo is so easy to use that I'm able to use it. Uh, the free version is easy, but Grammarly Premium just gives you a lot more, um, including vocabulary suggestions and advanced punctuation, which are helpful because I'm good at the basic punctuation. It's the advanced stuff I'm, I'm not so great at. So, whether you're looking to polish up your resume, or just look smarter in your emails at work, do yourself a favor, check out Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash fool, get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash fool for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. The stock of the day is Match Group. Uh, Match Group is the parent company, of course, of Match.com, OKCupid, Chemistry.com, which is a dating site, not a science site. I actually, you know, Check that out. Uh, and Tinder. Uh, first quarter report was fantastic. Profits were up, revenue was up, subscribers are up, and shares of Match Group are up 12% and hitting an all time high. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a force. Uh, and it's, it's largely due to the Tinder. They, they've got a lot of different brands, but uh, Tinder is. Most of the story about what is going on, uh, you know, in terms of the massive profitability that is that is growing there. Well, and you and I were talking earlier today, um, and neither of us have used these uh, apps. Um, we met our our wives back in the old days. Back in the old <laughs> days, before there were apps. Um, but you know, as as you pointed out, Match Group. That's. Uh, if if Match Group works out for you, uh, then you're leaving. Yeah, <laughs> um, there there are probably half a dozen or so people here at the Motley Fool who have met their spouse uh, through Match.com. Uh, Tinder, however, is is not so much about I'm looking for sp- someone to spend the rest of my life with. Tinder is much more I'm looking for sp- someone to possibly uh, spend the night with. Right, and so that is just purely from an economics perspective. Uh, repeat customers are better than one-offs, and so all of the other uh, all the other elements that they have, and they have a lot of different ways uh, that they are hooking people up. Whether it is for you know lifetime matches, uh, or you know they've got segmented by. Uh, you know, age and uh, there are different different brands around the world, and by uh, some that are targeted at, at uh, you know racial groups, and so all of this is for the most part, or a lot of them are about finding your lifetime partner or long time you know, relationship, and uh, they're categorized as higher relationship intent. Is how they refer to match or to our time and, and things like that. But Tinder is not about long relationships, and therefore it is more of a model where you can uh, satisfy uh, people by finding new opportunities constantly and expanding the ways in which the company does that. And all of which is to say that I think it's a good thing that we're talking about this today, rather than you know during apropos of nothing. Where we might, or you probably might work a little more blue on this topic. <laughs> we don't. We don't work blue on apropos of nothing. Well, we we lace apropos of nothing with uh, some alcohol. Yes, which tends to increase the chances of ending up in in territory that's no. a little bit blue. This is a clean show. This yeah. Is, this oh, is. absolutely. This is. 
as well as well apropos of nothing. Beyond it's just you're you're working with kindling there. You know, there is a little bit more kindling in the form of some high level alcohol. Um, let me go back to the actual investing though for a second here because I think something that often gets overlooked with. Um, match group is um, interactive group IAC um, shares because IAC uh, headed up by Barry Diller who has a great track record when it comes to uh, media entertainment and I would throw social media in there as well type of properties IAC um, owns a big chunk of match group and so it's not just shares of match group that are hitting an all-time high today IAC is also up not as much up about five percent but that's also hitting an all-time high yeah they do own that uh, a few other things um, that are also uh, they own uh, Angie's list and all yeah. that stuff so if you IAC other has a very big portfolio uh, although this is a very large chunk of it at yeah. this point, and Match Group that is, and uh, so the nice thing about Tinder is that people are likely to be customers for a fairly long time, uh, and that and and you can get people to pay more and more and more as it becomes more successful at finding the kinds of Tinder matches that people are looking for. And that gets uh, the economics of that are just looking extremely good uh, in terms of the revenue growth for the companies uh, compounding at uh, over 150 percent over the last three years, three four years. Unlike Lyft, they're actually profitable. They are profitable, and that is one of the differences between uh, this and, and many other sort of software cloud-based services, where the scale. Uh, involves uh, no you're you're not having to employ massively greater numbers of people to get massively greater numbers of service done, um, and so and you've got network net, excuse me network effects as well that are very attractive. The more people who are using Tinder, the more you want to be using it because there are more choices for you, and then they've got. All of their, you know, super likes and boosts and you know things like that, which are increasing uh, the addictive nature of of the property. One more thing, I'll just add in terms of the business is unlike Lyft, which has a direct competitor in Uber and vice versa. I'm not really sure who the the Pepsi is to Match Group's Coke. I mean, I suppose it's eHarmony. I don't know how many. Properties eHarmony has beyond its signature one, but it it really feels like it's in this industry. It feels like this is Match Group's world, and all other competitors are living in it. Well, yes, I mean they have most of the best known names. I think that Bumble is is a reasonable competitor and is attractive to. Uh, more of the uh, female-focused uh, generating the contact uh, model, and and so that has been gotten off to a good start, but it's way, way, way behind Tinder. Last thing before we wrap up, uh, as you touched on uh, this weekend, coming this weekend, in your market foolery feed, uh, it will be a bonus episode, an apropos of nothing, which we're going to be taping tomorrow. We'll be taping on Thursday afternoon. And uh, for those, for those who not are not too late to get topics in, that's true. A couple of people, a couple of people, we need some. A couple of people have emailed uh, marketfoolery at fool.com suggested topics. And for those relatively new listeners who are thinking to themselves, 
what are they talking about? Uh, apropos of nothing is something we've done a few times where uh, we get in the studio and we don't really talk about anything to do with investing or, or business or that sort of thing. It's just uh, it's just talking. Uh, it's uh, the two of us and a third person. Bill Mann has been here for this. Matt Greer, Robert Brokamp. So we're we're gonna dragoon one of our colleagues into this uh, tomorrow afternoon, and it'll come this weekend. And as I always like to say, uh, you don't have to listen. That's why we put it out as a bonus episode because we want to keep the promise of no, we'll be here Monday through Thursday with business news and investing takes. But every once in a while on the weekend, we're going to drop an apropos of nothing, and it'll be long and it'll have nothing to do with investing. We're going to have a bottle of something open during this, right? At least. Are you providing? Yes, I will provide. Something. Actually, MFAM is sponsoring the uh, the alcohol really show. Yeah. Well, I hope you're not expecting any sort of promotional consideration because you won't be getting it. MFAM. <laughs> MFAM funds will in no way be getting any mention during the the podcast. Not on apropos of nothing, but I will just perhaps this one. On this one, I'll just say if you want to read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues at MFAM funds, you can go to mfamfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It's the free monthly newsletter. First of all, it's free. It's free, people. It comes once a month, which is the thing that I like about it because it's not clogging up my email box. It just comes once a month, and uh, it's really smart stuff about investing. So, uh, so check that out when you get a chance. This will be the first time that MFAM, in its uh, sponsorship of Apropos of Nothing, uh, will will be at a billion dollars or or more actually in In, funds under management in AUM. Yeah, nice, nice. You know, you know who might want to talk to you about that AUM, Lyft. Yeah. 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 Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 